reminds me of a story I heard about a pastor who brought all the kids forward on Easter Sunday and they're in their new clothes and he said to one little girl, that's such a pretty dress, is it new? And she said, yes, this is my Easter dress and mommy said it was even harder to iron this dress than to listen to your sermons. (laughs) So I'm calling this talk today, Run, Run, Run. And you'll see three people running as I go through this sermon. Let's start with the story. You've been hearing it already all through this service. On Friday, Jesus was crucified. A lot of confused friends that loved him, running around, the apostles, the ladies that traveled with him, saying, how could this be? But on Sunday, those who loved him were about to discover something. Let's pick up the story in John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter. There's the first run right there. Three runs today. Mary Magdalene. Some think, scholars think, she was at least a woman of ill repute and probably a prostitute, but she'd been traveling with Jesus and her life had been changed by the teaching of this man of God. That's what she knew him as. She didn't know him as Savior yet. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples the disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So here she is, her teacher, her mentor, her, her, her prophet. She thought he was a prophet of God. Her friend, not yet her savior, but she's sad. Someone who was wonderful to her when everybody else treated her terrible. Someone who was telling her about God's love. He's gone. She thinks his body's stolen. She runs to Peter to report a stolen body and this sad, confused woman is in a world where she's wondering what is going on. So many people in the world today feel that same way. Life has disappointed them. They've come to place after place of crisis and they, they say, what's going on? First thought I have today is people in this world are running around sad and confused just like that woman was. What is the meaning of life? Ecclesiastes 1, 2, we see the Bible speaks of this thought that so many people in this world have, and it says in verse 2, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Life hasn't turned out to be what so many were hoping for. You probably have seen the barnyard animal, the chicken. The chicken is not a very smart animal. The chicken never even knows when it's in danger, right? You know the the joke, why the chicken cross the road? I I heard a little girl tell this joke once, and I... I, I, um, I love the way she told it. Everybody, all the adults know the answer, but we were traveling with Hawaii to some friends, and she had told this story to me, and I was having her tell it a time or two along the way as well to others, and here's how she would tell it. Three-year-old Peyton, she would say, why did the chicken cross the road? So animated. That's why I wanted to see it so many times, and and everybody would say, I don't know why, and she would go like this, to get to the other side. 
And then we'd all crack up just because of the way she was telling it. So we had just gotten to Hawaii. We were taking a shuttle to get the car. And I said, she was visiting because Peyton knows no strangers. And, and she was visiting with some people that she had just met. And I said, Peyton, tell them your joke. And she goes, why did the chicken cross the road? And right as she was saying it, I look out and honest to goodness, a chicken was crossing the road right beside us as we were making a turn. And then she said, to get to the other side. And they all laughed. I said, Peyton, quick, look, a chicken is crossing the road. She looked and went, (gasps) (laughs) and people said to me, did you see that to have her tell the joke? And I said, no, I just wanted her to tell the joke. But chickens are so dumb, they don't even know they're in danger. You know the term, uh, a chicken, like a chicken with its head cut off? I've actually seen that. Anybody else actually seen that? Wow. Okay, my dad bought 100 chickens and made us kill them, pluck them, and do all that stuff to to eat them because he wanted to teach us life lessons, right? And I actually saw, I actually saw a chicken running around with its head gone and it's running. How does this happen? And that's the way when life goes terrible the way we feel. Like, Like we're in pain and we're hurt. We have no idea where we're going. Aimless wandering. A lot of pain in this life that people have. It's loss of job. It's loss of relationship. Death. Just extreme disappointment with life and where we're at right now with the thought, I thought life was going to be better than this. Well, I'm going to tell you how it gets better. You've been hearing the testimonies. The best life, the full life. John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come to give you the best life possible. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. You're hearing testimonies of people carrying such heavy burdens today. And you're hearing how the love of God turned everything around as they accepted Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you something, you know it, you'll never hear anything more true than what I'm about to say. Jesus is the only way to find true satisfaction and contentment in this life. He's the only way to find true satisfaction and contentment in this life. Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. He's the only one that can open that door for us. That's what the Bible says. There's salvation found in no one else. You say, why only Jesus? Because the one true almighty God decided that he would create a plan where mankind who had sinned against him could be forgiven. He had one plan and he sent his one son and all the wrath of God fell on his son so it wouldn't have to fall on us because God is just. Now think about that. Can you really truly be loving without being just? Can you let a sexual molester hurt a child over and over and over and over again and not have justice step in to do something? Would that be love? That's not love. Love includes justice. So justice came, but God the Father made this incredible plan because all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. You say, well, my sin's not that bad, but all of us have sinned. And God, who's so altogether holy, cannot cohabitate with sin. So he wanted us to be reunited to him. He's the creator. We're his children. And he made a way where our sins could be forgiven and we could walk spotless before him. And he brought us back into a relationship. And the way he did it was to allow his son, Jesus Christ, 
Fully man, fully God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Jesus is God. And Jesus came to this earth and he walked this earth for 30 years and he had three years of ministry and he went to the cross and he gave his life. They didn't take it, he gave it. And I love that song because it told the part of the story where the Father in heaven hurts so bad to see his son on the cross. We don't tell that part enough. I mean, if it's between me and my son, me and my daughter, take my life, don't take theirs. And God the Father was, was so grieved as he allowed this plan to happen where the, 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 the sin of mankind fell on his own son, the weight of the world, all of our sins sitting on his shoulders, and they took his life. And the father let it happen because he loved us so much. The pain, that, the, the, the punishment that sin deserved fell on Jesus so it doesn't have to fall on us. It's the greatest love story ever told. And so, now if we just come to him, He's the one who gives rest and he's the one who gives eternal life. Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no one else. Why? It's the only plan of God to draw us back. Nothing before was, was what it was and nothing after. It's the cross. It's because of the cross that these things happen. Lives are changed and heaven becomes our home. Second thought today, people are running around looking for God. Mary Magdalene was running around saying, what in the world's going on? This is crazy. But now, there's a category of people who are not just saying, what's going on? Life is terrible. There's a category of people running around saying, I hope God's real. Where is God? In my pain, I'm searching for him. John 20, verse 3, let's pick up the story. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. There's the second run. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So here are these men who walked with him. They saw his miracles. They knew that he was a great man of God. Somehow they believed that he was going to be the Messiah who might usher the kingdom in, but they thought it was a physical kingdom where he would take over governmentally and push the Romans back and rule and reign right there. But he died, and now they're doubting. Wait, wait, wait. I thought he was all powerful. I thought he was the Messiah, but he's gone. And they're searching, saying, where, where is Jesus? Where is this one that we, that we walked with that did these miracles? We hoped he was God. Where is God? They're running, and they're looking, literally looking for Jesus. They believed he was a good man, even a God man, but they had not known him as Savior yet because he had to die, and he had to rise again for that to happen. Peter, we see in this passage, was the slower runner. One of them ran ahead, and and there are some fast people, and there are some slow people in life. My wife happens to be one of the fast people. Karen holds the record at Dallas High School, that's a 5A high school, 34 years later. I asked for permission to say that, just if you're wondering. (laughs) 
See, the 800 meters, her name's number one on the board still. And people say to me, how did you catch her? <laughs> and I say with confidence, I just slowed down. <laughs> she caught me. What are you talking about? <laughs> what I'm trying to convey with that thought, though uh, really trying to be humorous, because I believe she's a great catch, is, is that she, she was pursuing me. And as we look at these men in this passage, they were pursuing Jesus, but what was really going on is they slowed down and started to survey. He was about to show himself. He was about to catch them. They just slowed down and he was about to catch them. If you will slow down in life enough to say, God, if you're real, show me. God, I, wa I want to invite you into my life if you're real. He will show himself. You may have been running from him. You may be running looking for him. But here's the third thought, the third run. He's running towards you. Will you let him catch you? John 20, verse 10. Let's pick up the story. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. And they ask her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? This is Jesus talking to her now. Thinking she was, that he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. When he called her name, the one she had walked with, she knew who he was. She didn't know before. And I want to tell you something. He's calling your name today. Insert your name there. He called her. Andy. Sharon, he called their names. These testimonies you've seen this morning, he's calling your name too. He loves you. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. And I read somewhere you lose over 200 a day. Some seem to have lost a little more than that. But, but the average <laughs> is 200 a day. And he knows exactly at any moment how many hairs are on your head, which means he's intimately acquainted with who you are. You may not know him, but he knows your every move, and his heart towards you is loving. He's not against you, as you heard. All these stories, to some degree, were running from God. And what they found out is God was running towards them. Let's pick up another story that shows that God runs. We see him pursuing in that Easter passage, but here's the third run now, the prodigal son. And in this story, the prodigal son is us. It's those who've turned away from God, those who don't know God. Insert your name there. And the father in this story, it's an allegory, the father is, is God. And look how God pursues us. He's talking about the prodigal son who, first of all, let's set the story. He asked for his inheritance. He went off. He squandered it. Squandered means that he, the Bible says that he lived wildly, probably spent it on, on wild women and, and on alcohol and 
and, and the party lifestyle. And soon his money was all gone and he found himself working with pigs in the mud. And the Bible says he came to his senses and thought, I, I'll just try to go home. Maybe, maybe my father would just let me work in the fields with the rest of the workers. Surely he's against me where he won't let me have any status back in his home, but maybe he'll, maybe he'll just let me hang around on the fringe and take a small salary. So in humility, it says this, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, remember the father's God here, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And here's the third run. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. So you think, man, I've messed up too much. You know what? I've been there before. I was a prodigal. I've been there where I thought, surely since I've known and walked away, God would not want me anymore. But I found out different. I found out he forgives and he loves. I found out that my father ran to me with love and compassion, even though I had run away from him one day. To, to, to feel it, to know it, that God loves you so much that he wants to draw you to himself, that he delights in forgiving you, that he makes a trophy out of your life like he's doing with these other lives. We saw today that the testimony is him. It's not my testimony. It's what he does through me and how he's changed me. And that's true for all of us. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I love to celebrate people coming to Jesus. I don't think, listen, you may be into healing and miracles, and I believe God does miracles and he heals. But I want to tell you something. There's no greater miracle. There never will be a greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. Where eternity is affected. You break a leg and you heal it in a moment. That's good. You can go on with life. But you heal a soul and you get eternity in heaven forever and ever and ever when they receive Jesus Christ. So we like to celebrate. The Bible says that the angels in heaven celebrate when even one comes to Christ. God the Father sent his son to die for our sins. God the Father was in pursuit of a close relationship with you and me. That's an unbelievable thought. That's why he sent Jesus. All the testimonies you've heard today are stories of people finally letting God catch them. He's running to you. Will you let him catch you? All he wants to do is give you the best life on this earth and eternal life in heaven. You can't earn it. Don't think I'm gonna go out of here and clean my life up. You can't get clean enough by yourself. He's the one who makes you clean when you surrender. And in a moment, it's called grace. And it's amazing. You're forgiven immediately. Here it is in the word, but God showed his great love for us. Romans 5. Look at this screen. He showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God.
All you have to do is surrender and let him catch.